Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of the New News Podcast. Again, Sandy, myself, and Andrew here, and we're talking worst case scenario today guys this is this is if everything's gonna go wrong everything can go wrong will go wrong in 2024 this is what the world could look like for the cardinals and so i put up an article today over at redbird rants that kind of discusses six different things i think could happen it doesn't mean all six would happen um but let's let's set the stage first about what we mean in terms of like a worst case scenario season so people are all on the same page about why some of this stuff could happen so when we're talking these kind of changes to happen, it's the Cardinals re- basically repeat 2023 where it's May, June, and we have questions about if it's even possible to get back into the playoff race. July, they're clear sellers. They're out of it. That's the kind of scenario and like the chaos of what that looks like. That's the only way any of this stuff really looks like it could happen, in my opinion. Um, that's why they seem drastic, but if they're in those situations, like the things they did last year seem drastic. If you told me preseason, they're going to trade Jordan Montgomery, um, and wholesale things, I'd been like, Whoa, what happened? That's what this is where this is the, Whoa, what happened scenario. So Sandy, Andrew, I know you guys have read the article already, so we'll get into each individual point, but how are you feeling coming into this conversation? Like how likely do you guys like a scale of like percentage wise, that something this drastic could happen again next year. I feel like it's it's higher than people want to say, and I don't I don't want to oh. come in and say that immediately off the bat. But Ooh. like, I I don't know. I'm not fully sold that the pitching is going to hold up, and I understand that we had a black hole with Woodford and Wainwright last year as like one slot in the rotation. But I don't know if Lance Lynn is going to like be any better than that because like the Dodgers pitching lab tried to fix okay. him and it didn't work, okay. and he led the league in like home runs allowed. I know he's going to eat innings, and I know like I'm coming. <laughs> Sandy's in. ready to bite. I'm stomping at the pit right now. <laughs> but like, is Sonny Gray really that much better than Jordan Montgomery? Is okay. he? Okay, yes. Yes, he is better than Jordan Montgomery. Because Jordan Montgomery is going to get like a like a nine-figure contract, right? Because he's 20, like, or yeah. he's, he's a lot younger. And yeah, and he's going to get a lot more years. Yeah. Also, like, I think I Jordan Montgomery is situation where it happens. I don't think it's, like, more likely than having a good season. I still put it at, like, 20% chance of happening. But, like, okay. it's really high. I feel like worst case is, is a lot likelier than, than we're saying. But you're saying, like, 20% chance that it implodes, like, like in terms of they have to sell off again, not like it didn't work and they missed the playoffs because they could win 82 games and this didn't work because they barely missed the playoffs. Like you mean 20% chance they win like 72 games and are not even competitive. I I don't know about that. I feel like that's maybe like a 10% chance. See, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about 82 and 80. We're talking about they're one of the worst teams. 90 lost season. Yeah. Like last season, probably like a, like, 8%. 
Let's put I it think it's lower than that. And I think what people are not realizing is how unlikely the, the scenario of 2023 really was. Like how much had to go wrong for the Cardinals to be that bad? A lot had to go wrong. Yeah. Obviously, you had Wayno come into the season with an injury that we didn't really know anything about. The World Baseball Classic happened. We don't know how that impacted the team. A lot of our team was not there at spring training. That's not a good excuse, but like it's just another thing that was going on. The Wilson Contreras saga in the beginning of the season had to throw things off. Um, Woodford having to pitch for a long time because Wayno actually missed so much time. Then Wayno coming back and being as bad as he was. Uh, there was no depth at AAA, so the Cardinals were able to bring up absolutely zero offensive or really – I mean, Jordan Walker obviously came up. But besides him, they had very little interesting uh, prospect depth to bring up, no impact talent on the pitching side at all. And I think the pitching now is better. I don't think you're going to get to a point where the Cardinals like are signing Jacob Barnes and Casey Lawrence and Ryan Tapera in the middle of the season. Yeah. Like I just don't think they're going to run out of innings the way they did. Um, and – yeah, I just I don't see it being the same. And so that's why for me, I, I see this as like a very remote possibility, probably like like three percent. And that might even be high because I think it was unlikely last year. And I think the team is better than it was last year. And I think they haven't just improved in the rotation. They've improved in the bullpen uh, offensively. These guys are a year older. That's not a great thing for a guy like Noel, or, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. But for Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, yep, Brendan yep. Donovan, Mason Wynn, Lars Newbar, yep. that's a great this goes on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then and the last like, thing, the depth, so much. Yeah, more. exactly. Like Casey Lawrence was never plan yeah. E or F or G. He no, was plan, plan C. Yeah, he was plan, hey, we just need someone to throw innings because yeah. the season's over. Let's get Casey Lawrence in there. And Taylor Motter playing as much as he did was uh, a little bit more roster construction than anything else, but yes. it also was like, hey, he's our backup infielder and we had injuries. Like part of the the good things they did at the deadline this offseason is they do have a plethora of starters in AAA they actually feel like can pitch in the major leagues now where last year McGreevy, Gersefo, those guys weren't ready. And so they weren't going to throw them to the fire in a lost season. Yes. Like if they're in the race, they might have done it because they had to, but instead they went to para and lawrence and barnes and all this stuff and then like you said too like they had worst case scenario seasons from nolan arnado and paul goldschmidt yeah they had a not healthy large new bar gorman was out like Gorman's so it's back. like yeah if it's like we're not going to say every single one of these things is going to be better next year but even if like pretty much everything that could have gone wrong went wrong last season yeah. so even if half the things don't go wrong next season or at least aren't like terrible they'll yeah. be i think they'll be competitive but again, like we saw last year, everything can fall apart. It's possible. So we have to look at that as an option. So let's jump into it. Let's go ahead and throw out some, I'd probably put it for me, like percentage wise, like a 5%. I think it's very low that it goes this bad, but I mean, could I see them missing the playoffs and stuff? Yeah, that's sure. a decent chance. Probably and 30 then 30 or 40% chance. Yeah. So I'm not going to, oh yeah, go for it. So I, I like looking at schedules. I like getting off to a good start. And yeah, our schedule to start next season. We have four That's against the Dodgers, which is not who I want to start like, off against at any point. Three against the Padres. I don't really know how good they're going to be next year. Um, their their the starting Marlins. lineup right now has two non-roster invitees in it, so I'm not concerned about the Padres. And then three against Miami, which you never really know how that's going to go because their pitching is so deep. And then three against the Phillies and three against the Diamondbacks. That is not good. Do they, don't they play the Braves later in the month too? I think. Um, they have they, a tough. They go. It's next is the A's, Brewers, Diamondbacks, Mets, Tigers. Okay. Some White Sox. Still, so like, it's a tough start. It's not. 
impossible. Like after that, you sweep the A's, you you take two or three from the Brewers, and you just play better. But like I don't, I can already see how Twitter is going to be as soon as we like start the season three and eight because we got swept by the Dodgers and drop two or three to the Marlins or something. And it's just like a sweep at the Dodgers is unlikely though. Like I'll say, I, that. So. I really four games. Like I, I none, no one's going to be surprised if the Cardinals win two of those. Yeah. So I, the I Cardinals see. on May 7th last year were 11 and 24. Like I, I also like even worst case scenario this year, like that's horrible. Like, I just don't see them being even with a tough schedule being that bad. But if they are, like you point point out, Andrew, like if they start off slow, we saw what happened. They've started falling apart because they like put pressure on themselves, and it'll be even more so this year. So we'll see. Just the, it sounds like thirty and zero first month. Well, four against the Dodgers makes me scared, and I, I know, like I'm higher on the Dodgers than probably everyone else here, but I just I I don't see how that that starts well for us, especially when we have playoff teams for the next like two weeks. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Dodgers start off against the Mariners, I think before that. So you're not even facing the top of the rotation to start Padres. So like it's probably they play those games like a week before in Korea. So Yamamoto will start their first game and then you'll also start their third game, which is probably we'll see. So Uh, I'm again getting swept is it could happen, but anyways. Yeah. So let's jump into it. So again, these are just six things I threw out there. I don't necessarily think these are going to happen. I definitely don't think they're going to happen. Do I think they're guaranteed to happen if things go bad? No, but I think they're on the table. All of them are. Um, so let's throw them out there. I'll just submit them in the chat and throw them up here so we can see them as we're talking about. It. But the first change I talked about potentially happening if things go poorly is they fire Ali, hire Yachty. And the reason I put this first is I feel like this is the first change they would make. This is the Band-Aid. This is the Hail Mary. This is the let's see how things go differently. Um, they're not tied to Ollie. And they've made it this past offseason. Obviously, Mosaic has put his confidence in him. And they really like him. If they didn't like him, he wouldn't be here. They're they're not going to just hang on to him for no reason. I think we might have lost Sandy. He's he's frozen right now. Um, oh, there we go. Um, so I, don't, I think they would have made the change already if they didn't have confidence in him. And... They've already, when asked about it, kind of kept the door open for a potential controversy there if things don't go well for Yachty to take over. So tea leaves are there. You have a slow April, like Andrew said, or May's not going well. I think you see that change potentially happen. What do you guys think? I think this might happen regardless of whether or not we have a good season. I don't think it'll happen in the middle of the season, obviously. Um, But if we start out terribly um, and... Like if it just doesn't go well, we've seen managerial changes happen in the middle of the season twice now, I think with, um, was it twice? No, uh, just once with um, yeah, just coming in. Um, but then like, I feel like there's a situation where the Cardinals front office has to choose between Ollie and Yachty at the end of the off season at some, or at the end of this regular season at some point, um, because Yachty wants to manage in the major league level and he's made it clear. And he's like, obviously, his first choice would be to manage the Cardinals. But if, say, the Braves, I, I always say the Braves. I don't know why I always say the Braves, but like, if the Braves, yeah, not, I, don't, I don't think they're looking to change managers right yeah, no, now. I don't think they really like it. it was talked about. It skips there now, so I don't think it happened. But Yadi said earlier this offseason that the Marlins approached him last offseason. I think it was about joining their coaching staff, not necessarily being a manager. But then he said other clubs have reached out to. Or like the Tigers or the the I don't know the Twins want to change the, change it up and they give him an offer then he might end up going there and he'll tell the Cardinals hey either 
offer me a managerial role or I'm going to go somewhere else. And I feel like they're going to have to pick between one of the two, maybe not this offseason, but next offseason. This decision is going to come at some point down the line. So this seems like the most likely of the six changes because it seems inevitable anyway. I can't see the Cardinals organization allowing Yachty to go somewhere else as a manager, especially when, like, obviously Ollie is Moe's guy, but he's not, like, the next successor's guy at all. So um, I feel like it, it's going to happen at some point. It's just maybe it'll happen this season if things go poorly. I don't know. I, I, I'd i be surprised to see Ollie fired this season because of how much the Cardinals have shown that they're confident in him. And also, like, I, maybe you don't believe this as, you know, we, we might not believe this as fans. I'm sure not everyone does, but a lot of players have come out really strongly and have publicly backed Ollie. And I think that says a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Ollie didn't lose the clubhouse last year. And that's nope. something um, that's become really apparent. People assumed that he did at times with the O'Neill stuff, but you've seen Goldschmidt, Arenado, and several others publicly come out and say, no, we've got Ollie's back. We really like him. He's a good manager. And yeah. I think that's important. And so I think because of that, I'd be really shocked, especially if the, like if the wheels fall off. Sure, it's a normal thing. The wheels fall off. You say, all right, whatever you're doing is not working. We'll see you. Hope you can jumpstart the team uh, kind of like they did in 2018. And it almost worked. Um, if the Cardinals hadn't blown it in the last week to the Rockies, it would have. So I would be, you know, if that happens, sure. But if not, I, I doubt it. Um, honestly, I think if the Cardinals have a fine year, I'd be surprised if they move on from Ollie this offseason. And I also just don't see Yachty as the kind of guy who's going to go to the office and say, hey, like, give me the manager role or I'm going to, you know, go be a trader. I, I just that doesn't strike me as something he'd do. Um, I just don't think that'd be a very, like, good person thing to do in the first place. Yeah. So I don't know. I think uh, Ali and Yachty have mutual respect for one another, too. That's I agree. To talk about. So, yeah, I think it'll be awesome. I also don't think it's like a guarantee that he would leave and go do something else. Yeah. Because um, he might. I mean. Obviously, he wants to manage at some point, but it's never been said he wants to manage right now. Yep. Obviously, like because they wanted they explored an everyday role with him this year. Maybe he would have done it if it was a manager role. Maybe that's why he didn't. But he also really likes that um, to, to do his Puerto Rico stuff. He's a basketball team. He's having time with yeah. family right now. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's imminent. But also, I I also think there's a scenario where they said they could say, "Hey, Yadi, we love you, but we have a manager right now," and they mutually just say, "Hey, it's just not going to work out. I'm going to go manage somewhere else." Like that's not it's not wrong for him to decide to go manage somewhere else. No, Matt, no, Matt Holiday's probably not have to manage somewhere else at some point. Skip just did it. Like that's yeah. okay. Um, so I agree. I do think they would keep Ollie if things go well. Um, and Danny Scalso, like a couple of people have said that in here, I think he has, like he would have a shot. Like we just had, um, uh, what's W clap on? Like they have other options. It doesn't have to yeah. be Yachty. Um, but I, I do think that's kind of like what they've set themselves up to potentially do. So we'll see. So, yeah, uh, real quick, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to say like if Yadi goes somewhere else, that's not a bad thing. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. True. I just don't yeah. see him as the type of guy who'd be like overly confrontational about it and yeah, like yeah. The front office. Well, no, I wasn't really trying to say that either. I he was gonna no, like, go to the front office and be like, "Hey, I have this offer." Yeah, for I think it's just natural of like he might have an offer and it's like, "Hey, we we don't have a role for you like that," and it just yeah. happens. I don't know. If, I don't know if I, as a fan or the Cardinals organization, could really see him wearing another uniform. It just that'd be hard. Completely wrong. I mean, there. He's coaching like a little league team or a high school team called the Cubs right now. And he's wearing Cubs jersey on his Instagram. So like you can go look at that. Oh, it's man. not 
like oh, it, no. it makes me squirm and makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Even though it's well, I mean, the other side of it too, though, is you bring in Yadi, and I think we've talked about this before. That's I don't know how you end that relationship because most managers end up getting fired at some point. Yadi would have to manage yeah. for like four decades to to make it all the way through, which is just unheard of. So yeah. I, I think it's not that simple to just put them in there because if things go wrong, I don't know what you do. So let's keep it moving just because I feel like that's one we talked about a lot anyways. But the second drastic change and one that I feel like has been thrown out on the table a little bit more lately as a possibility is Paul Goldschmidt being dealt at the deadline. So again, reminder, we are talking about worst case scenario here. We are not talking about they're in the playoff race. Um, and worst case scenario could mean he's playing like old Paul Goldschmidt. And so you're looking at him as a super desirable asset at the deadline or worst case scenario could be Paul Goldschmidt is regressing again and you're trying to salvage any value from him. I do think this is something that's potentially on the table if things go south. I don't necessarily think it has to happen if things go south, but based on the tea leaves again from John Mosaic this weekend or this past weekend was Paul Goldschmidt doesn't want to sign an extension right now. They don't necessarily want to sign an extension right now. They both want to see how the season plays out. There is a third thing that plays into this, and I noted in the article, and it's that they cannot re-sign him right now to anything that's not – they can't sign him to anything less than 80% of what his contract is right now. So I think the lowest they could sign him to is $18.5 million because of some CBA rights on an extension. So you have to wait for him to hit free agency to give him less money than that. So that could be part of it. The Cardinals might be comfortable signing him at $17 million for two years, but he's wants more than that, or maybe he's comfortable with that too, but they can't do it. So both sides are waiting it out to see what happens. What do you guys think about the potential in a disaster season that Paul well, Goldschmidt could be traded? I like that you note that there are two options here because I was about to say the same thing, right? Either Paul yeah. Goldschmidt's playing well or he's playing poorly. The team is definitely playing poorly in this scenario. Yeah, um, that's the, that's the only thing I, that's Yeah, exactly. Obviously, I hope we don't get here. Um, it's a shame. And I think for me, I've been really vocal about this on New News in the past, where like I'm a don't trade Paul Goldschmidt, don't trade Arenado guy. Um, I'm I'm very, very much in that camp because I think Paul Goldschmidt's legacy uh, as a St. Louis Cardinal is starting to get pretty great. He's won an MVP here now. He's been part of some playoff teams here. I think there's a really good shot. Paul Goldschmidt wears a Cardinals hat into the Hall of Fame at this point. I think a lot of people are starting to view him as a Cardinal. I remember when he first came here, people nationally still seem to see him as a Diamondback. I think we've gotten past that. I think Arenado's past that as a Rocky, too. Uh, and I think it's really important, right? And if you're talking about legacy, and that's something that comes to mind with a franchise like the Cardinals, a franchise that has a ton of history, and they're one of MLB's premier franchises, um, no matter how you want to see it. They have the second most championships ever. They have a ton of Hall of Famers, retired numbers, whatnot. Um, they're probably thinking about that. And so I think they're thinking about how the torch has been passed from Wayno, Yachty, Albert to Goldschmidt and Arenado. I think it's really important for them to have that sort of link in there. Uh, so there's definitely that. Um, but also just from a baseball perspective, like, I think it's unlikely that Paul Goldschmidt's playing really poorly. And if you want to contend in 2025, I think Paul Goldschmidt's still going to be your best option at first base. So I really hope he's still on the team. I think Paul Goldschmidt is still a very, very good player. His peripherals weren't bad last year, even though he ran into a lot of bad luck. Uh, I'm very much in the camp of if you get rid of Paul Goldschmidt, I don't see you trying to contend. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm less attached to, to Goldschmidt personally. I understand not training Hall of Famers and – yeah. Like keeping them around with the organization makes a lot of sense. Also keep in mind that Paul Goldschmidt has a full no trade clause, so he can't really 
go anywhere unless he allows the, the team to trade him there. So yeah, um, that's something that definitely <clears throat> needs to be considered. But I mean, if the team isn't winning, and I, I was I was possibly in favor of pursuing a Paul Goldschmidt trade this offseason to like the Mariners or some team that like has all of that pitching talent. And I'm just like, this was, this was part of the, the sign Otani thing. So like, that wasn't really something that I, I believe in anymore. Um, but like, if you could have replaced his bat and traded him to get one of the like younger starting pitchers from like the Mariners or Marlins, one of those teams that would make sense. But um, it depends on how much value he has. I feel like if he's playing poorly, you might want to just hang on to him to like re just re-sign him as like a veteran leader presence because um, <clears throat> I don't think that the organization's that deep at first base like with prospects and, and I mean so Jay-Z can play first yeah but I don't I feel like that's not where you maximize his value you True. at like a different position and he'll provide better defense than at like first base but I won't I name who but what if Wilson Contreras was the first baseman next year? I would be that, that, was, that, too. that was a conversation that was had at winter warm-up last year. We were yeah. talking. I'm not going to name names because I don't want it getting aggregated. And no one was saying this is going to happen. But they're like, if Goldschmidt's not here next year, who's more likely to be the first baseman? They said Wilson Contreras or Luke Baker. And everyone said Wilson Contreras. Contreras. Now, again, over Wilson Baker. Like, I think so JC, Donovan, Alec Rolson could all play first base. But I was talking to someone the other day about this. Wilson Contreras was like a top seven off statistically offensive first baseman. If you play him at first base last year and then his counting stats are a lot lower because he only plays a hundred games. Cause he's a catcher. You give him 150 games or you give him the same amount of play appearances as a first baseman. And he's also not catching every day. So his legs aren't getting zapped from him. He could be a really good offensive first baseman. Again, I'm not saying he should be not saying he should be not saying that, but if Herrera is good. Yeah. I love Herrera. I like that because as a Herrera apologist, that's good for me. Get Herrera. I mean, in the I'm sure Wilson. Can. I mean, it could be like Joe Maurer, Buster Posey, where he's a primary first baseman, but catches every once in a while. Like who knows? But I, I just feel like we paid Wilson Contreras to be a catcher. That's what the organization said when they brought him in. 17 million for a first baseman though is not nothing. a lot. But like for the organization to go back, because the way I look at the Contreras signing, I think it was a really good signing to get a bad first catcher. Because that's a that's something that most teams don't have, and he's fine defensively. If you have Molina calling all the pitchers on the pitch com in the dugout, then I don't really have any objections with his defense. And if you have Contreras like as the bat first catcher, that's fine. But I feel like the Cardinals signed him, kind of expecting him to like turn it around defensively, which didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, um, but I don't think they signed him thinking he'd for sure catch all five years because they want they didn't even want to go five with him. They wanted to go four, but they couldn't get the Murphy deal done, so they went five with him. I again I don't think their plan is to move him off catcher, but I don't think they I don't think they when they signed him, they're like he's hundred percent could be our catcher all five years and now they're backtracking. I think last year was backtracking way earlier, but I think people have expected year four, year five. You could see him move to a full time DH or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I would also like you could still keep Goldie in that scenario too, and he could be the DH. Wilson's your first baseman. Herrera's your catcher. Um, I think that'd be really interesting. I would honestly like if the Cardinals had any space. I really wanted them to pursue Reese Hoskins. I knew it was never going to happen, but that would have been so fun for me. Um, and then what you could do if you had Hoskins, you could bring him in. You could trade a guy like Sajazi. Hoskins could be um, the first baseman of the future. You could let Goldie walk, and then you could play Contreras as a DH. But whatever it would be a crazy scenario it would have been really fun yeah it's interesting i just think they have enough young bats that i don't do. know if it's worth spending money on another one um again there's some chats in here they're saying like people are too quick to move off Contreras. <clears throat> again 
that was just, I think, something they could explore. I think all three of us agree the best scenario is, catch, is Wilson Contreras as the catcher. I just don't think you can rule anything out if things go this poorly. So, I, um, <clears throat> I also would like to keep Paul Goldschmidt, but I think as we talk through the scenario, when we look at what their lineup would look like if they do sell guys off, I think it's really good still. And then imagine all the pieces you could get back if you traded Goldschmidt and drastic change number three. Oh, as I said that it did not send uh, drastic change. Number three. Again, if you're listening audio wise, we've been put on the screen, but drastic change. Number three would be sell all, not all, but sell other valuable pieces at the deadline that have limited control left over. So that's Tom Yedman. Who's a free agent after 2025. That's Steven Matz. Who's a free agent after 2025. That's Ryan Helsey. Who's a free agent after 2025. That's Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn. If they give you anything that's worth being traded for, that's, uh, any other expiring contracts, Andrew Kittredge could be someone that could fetch them some value at the deadline. Giovanni Gallegos could be someone. Yeah. Again, this scenario is kind of like last year. You trade away the guys you're about to be free agents because let's get some prospects in return. And look how that turned out. They got some really good value back. Yeah, it worked um, really well. And then most of these guys, like you look at Edmund, you have Wynn, you have Gorman, Donovan, you have Victor Scott. You don't need Edmund anymore, especially if you're out of it. Um, Steven Matz, again, you've got arms coming through. He's valuable, but he's probably more valuable as a trade ship if you're not contending. Yeah. Ryan Helsley, that's a weird one, but like two straight years of having an elite closer on a terrible team, that's not necessarily wise usage no. of your bullpen. No. So no. You, you cash in on the asset. Giovanni Gay goes as a club option for 2025, so a contender can take him, see how he does, and exercise the option for like six and a half million if they want to keep him, which is a bargain really for a reliever. Yeah. Um, again, all these other names, Kyle Gibson, if he's any good, could get traded for low-level yeah. prospects. Like, I think you would see a big sell again. What do you guys think? I think that makes perfect sense. Um, Tommy Edmonds, a guy that I mean, half of these guys we we're already talking about trading potentially this offseason. So, I mean, I feel like if we're not going to use them at all um, towards the second half of the season, I could see most, if not all, of them um, going and just giving giving some of the younger guys a chance to to get playing time, but. Seems like it seems so very reasonable to me, I think. Yeah, I think it's mostly the way the Cardinals handled the last deadline. And I think they did a great job at that deadline. From the very beginning, when that happened, I was calling it a Mo Masterclass. And it seems more and more apparent that Mo Masterclassed it at the deadline. He was great. Um, the deals have been fantastic. The Cardinals acquired multiple top 100 prospects at one deadline. A bunch of guys with high ceilings, too. Zach Showalter could be a big mover in the next couple of years. So it was, it was really well done by them. And I would expect them to treat this the same way. Obviously these guys have more control than the guys they sold off in the first place. Um, but that's just cause there's not really anybody on an expiring deal right now. So, you know, it's probably what they'd have to do. Yeah. And again, this is all relative. It's interesting. We don't really know. And it's, it's really not worth the speculating destinations or returns. Cause it's like, who, who knows what, people who wants Tommy Emin in July and what they would trade for him. So like, yeah. I, you're not going to see at the end of this, they have X prospect from the giants. Like we're not going to predict that kind of stuff today, but I do think you keep this in the back of your mind as if they do trade Goldschmidt, if they do trade Edmund, Matt's Helsley, if they do potentially trade other guys later, you're going to expect an influx of talent to the organization. And they have the number seven overall pick in the draft this year. And again, in this scenario, they do bad. They have another top 10 pick. The farm in, this farm system gets really interesting really quick. So there's it's I'm definitely not talking myself into this. I do not like this scenario, but it's yeah, it's not as doom and gloom. It's doom and gloom 2024, that's for sure.
but it's not as doom and gloom like 2025 and later as I would have thought it would be. So anyways, it's interesting. So any, any other thoughts with that or we want to keep it moving? I mean, yeah, I just think, uh, I would, I would be, if, if this happens, I'd probably be okay with it. I think I'd be rooting for the same thing that I was last year and the Cardinals would get better in the future. So it's probably worth it, but it would really stink. I just would hate to see Helsley walk out the door because I think the whole time I've been watching the Cardinals, I've watched some really good relievers come through St. Louis. I've watched some great individual seasons. Trevor Rosenthal was fantastic for a while. Sung Wan Oh had a great year. Uh, Seagrist. What'd you say? Please come back. Yeah, I wish. Please come back, Trevor. Um, but Segrist and Manus, that was a great bullpen that they formed. Um, but Ryan Helsley, I do think, has the best stuff and is the most dominant reliever I've seen come through St. Louis. So I would be really sad to see him leave. Interesting, though, is Helsley will be 30 in July. So by the time he hits free agency, he'll be 31. Again, he's got the stuff to keep being good, but yeah. relievers are so hard to predict. I know, so. I know. If they were contending, it's a no-brainer. But yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. If you're not contending, it is it is what it is. But I would it'd be really hard to just see him leave because we haven't had a guy like 2022 Helsley the whole time I've been watching this team. It was special what he did. Yeah. And I he's totally capable of doing it again. Yeah. Um I, I see some messages in here like who would take over as the closer. I think that's I mean, look back in 2014 and then 2018, 2019, like closers change all the time. Again, there's been eras where the Cardinals haven't had a good closer and that's frustrating, but like for the most part, and like also 2024, who cares who your closer is if you are terrible. 2025, you have the off season to identify that guy. Maybe Tink Hens fills that role for a year. Maybe it's um, Zach Thompson. Maybe Gorger Sefo doesn't work out as a starter and he's a reliever. Like Alex Reyes reunion. Alex Reyes reunion. I wrote about Um, that recently and honestly, it's not as bad as, as people people think it is no it wouldn't be he's interesting a really talented pitcher okay here's the one i think we're gonna have a lot of discussion about i don't know what people are gonna think again if you're just joining us uh, thanks for hopping in again if you could subscribe like the if you like this it really helps the video get out there and helps the channel a ton but subscribe if you haven't already talking cardinals baseball twice a week it's really awesome we have some we've got some fun content coming up here soon but drastic change number four I think this is one that's kind of prompted by the other moves too. I don't think it's necessarily the Cardinals want to do this fully, but maybe they kind of would. But I think Nolan Arenado trade could happen in the offseason if things go poorly. So I'm going to give a reasonings a little bit. Could it happen at the deadline? Sure. But I think it gets complicated because it's a lot of money being moved. I think ownership or I think the front office is going to want to thread the needle of not paying that contract and getting value. And maybe you can strong arm the Dodgers at the deadline or something like that. But he, I mean, that's the other thing. Nolan Arenado is going to be able to control where he goes. So it's probably the Dodgers unless another team emerges. And I mean, it could, it could be another team. Um, but then it's just it's like if they're already trained Goldschmidt, they're already trained all these other guys. That's a lot of place to be spinning. I think, and I think they'd want to make it work with Arenado if they can. So I think they delay it to the offseason, see if they can make it work. His contract's actually kind of interesting if you look at it. It's 32 or 35 million in 2024, 32 million in 2025, drops to 27 million in 2026, and then all the way down to 15 million in 2027. So he's not like a backloaded, terrible contract. So I actually think teams would like it a little bit more than people think right now, but it also depends on how he plays this year. Is he Nolan Arenado again, or is he the 105 OPS plus guy who misses a lot of games? Like that guy's not valuable, but regular Nolan Arenado is. So Again, if they're already selling, they have Nolan Gorman, they have Brendan Donovan, they have Thomas Ajayi, they have Mason Wynn, they have the infield already. 
they can free up 30 something million dollars and use that in another way. Again, I don't think this is what the Cardinals would want to do, but I think it's possible. What do you guys think? Man, I have questions like who's playing third if you move him. I've seen people saying Gorman, but like is Gorman a capable third baseman at this point? There were always concerns that he'd have to move off the hot corner coming up as a prospect just because he's a little bigger um, and his arm has some question marks, which is why he's at second. And yeah. I think he profiles better. I think people have been saying that for a long time, that he profiled better either at second, first, or honestly in left field is what some people were saying when he was younger. Um, and so I, I don't like him there. I don't like Walker at third. We've seen him play third. And he's that's really not an outfielder. Exactly. He's an yeah. outfielder now. Uh, and those were your third baseman of the future before Arenado. Besides that, maybe Sajazi at third. I'd be okay with that. You could see Donovan at third, but his arm leaves something to be desired from over there. So I don't like the succession plan if you move on from Arenado. Also, my Goldschmidt don't trade legends argument still applies to Arenado. I think Arenado's a third base. Or uh, Walker is a third baseman, but that comment, sorry. I just don't think he will ever play third for the Cardinals. But I don't like trading legends. I think Arenado is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to be a Cardinal in the Hall of Fame. I think that matters. But again, if it's the best thing for the organization, it's hard not to make that. So I don't know. Yeah. And also like they moved him off the dirt already and we already saw how bad that went trying to make him change positions on the fly. They're not going to make him go back to third base and try that again. They're committed to him as an outfielder and they are for the foreseeable future. And if you don't believe that, like you don't believe what they say that, which I get it. They've done weird stuff before. But they're committed to him there. They do not seem as first baseman. They do not seem as third baseman. So Jordan Walker is not going to play third base unless things like, I mean, I guess this scenario, things are all things, all bets are off. So who knows? But he's their right fielder. Yeah. He's definitely not playing first base for them, by the way. Um, but that's a different argument <laughs> that we can talk about. Um, but I, I, I guess. That makes sense. I feel like the only way that Arenado would leave is if he asked the team to move him, but that doesn't seem likely to me because he committed to the team and uh, to staying long-term, and he already kind of strong-armed his way out of Denver. So um, I I feel like he has more he has more years on his contract. I feel like keeping him is probably the best bet, yeah. especially if he plays. Like, even if the, the season goes terribly wrong, I know all the Dodgers sites are going to come after <clears throat> and and be like, oh yeah, well, here's like ten Nolan Arenado trade packages. It's like, no, it's it's probably not going to end up happening. I feel like this is the least likely out of all the situations that that we're talking about today. But yeah, yeah, and, and I think there's some good comments in the chat too. Like, and Andrew just said it. It's in, he has a no trade clause, so he can control where he's going to go if he's going to leave, and it's probably because he requests it. So you're not going to have a bidding war. It's not like you can take the Orioles offer because he's not going to go there. Um, but also unless with, I would really like to play in Baltimore. I was, <laughs> yeah, I just like, don't think really he's going to do that. I agree. He's not, but, um, but then also the contract, he's getting older. Who knows how he's going to play? I don't think you get a ton in return for him. Anyways, you're mostly freeing up money and getting some back in return. So for, the Cardinals, it might, for Nolan Jones, oh my gosh. But like, it probably makes more sense for the Cardinals to keep him if he Absolutely. wants to be here, but also like he committed to the Cardinals to stay to be on a winning team and then they had 2023 go down and then if they have 2024 go down like 2023 did again that's when i think you could potentially see that go off the rails so that's kind of number four here i how what do you guys think I'm just percentage real quick what do you th- how likely do you think it is nolan or not a request a trade if 2024 is as bad as 2025 
probably like five percent. I, I just don't see him leaving the organization again because, I mean, yeah, he he does want to win, and that's that's what's most important to him. But I feel like the he and the organization both committed to each other at this point, and it feels it feels like it would be like a really really bad falling out for them to have to move on from him. And I know you mentioned the Dodgers, but do the Dodgers really need Nolan Arenado at third base? Probably not. Like they're they're fine as they're as is. They they just spent a billion dollars. I don't I don't think they want to commit to a third baseman like that for long term. Um, so I the just, the money's not crazy though. It's it'd be seventy five million over four years. Yeah. So it's really not that bad. But um, okay, let's look at drastic change number five, which is kind of a cop out because I think it's going to happen either way. But I think you could see it like happen quicker and maybe there's a little bit more control and power given to the next front office. But I do think drastic change number five is we see front office changes accelerated. So again, this has been forecasted by John Mozeliak since last spring training. And he confirmed it again at winter warmup that the plan is after the 2025 season, he will no longer, most likely no longer be the president of baseball operations anymore. And so they're working on a succession plan, whether that's Heim Bloom, who they brought in this offseason, whether that's Randy Flores, whether it's Michael Gersh, remains to be seen but if they're going to be making these franchise altering decisions like potentially trading arnado like potentially changing a manager like blowing up the roster i don't think they let mo make all those decisions and then hand it off to someone else that could make sense like it's like here's a clean slate you work with it so actually that could happen where they kind of pull the whole hey everything's falling apart let's not make heim blooms well that actually would be really smart because heim blooms first move with boston they made him trade mookie bets so if heim blooms first move with the cardinals was they made him trade nolan arenado that would not go over well so maybe no. it is a whole like we like i i again i don't think there's any chance they fire john mozilla before the end of 2025 i think he gets the ride it out but i do think you start to see heim bloom randy flores or michael gersh whoever it is start pulling more strings by next off season if things happen but honestly that might happen even if things go well andrew what do you think i actually feel like it might be kind of the opposite um to let mo kind of reconstruct this roster i think he's earned himself enough time um but i i just i feel like again if this this season goes poorly it's not really on mo his, and his roster construction it's it's on the ownership for not giving him enough money to spend because like to get three starting pitchers with with the money that was allotted to the organization this offseason you kind of have to go out and get to gibson lynn types which was what happened and then you you go out and get sonny gray and like you can't go out and sign that that fourth guy you can't go out and get yamamoto or Aaron Nola or Blake Snell, not that I would want some of those guys necessarily, but like, it's just some of the ownership is probably going to have to have to see a change. Cause I, I can't imagine that Heim Bloom or someone else would, would do a better job than Mo. And I don't think the front office would be as inclined to, to move off from him because they've like, they've trusted him for so long. And I know I'm, I'm holding Mo's water, um, I got and, some. <laughs> uh, but like it, it makes it makes sense to keep him around because he's been responsible for a lot of the success that's happened. And I feel like if this season goes as badly as it did last year, then ownership really is going to have to be like, okay, how do we how do we put a better product on the field? Because like, could Mo really have gotten a better rotation than 
than what happened than what he did this year with the, the money that was given. So I, I really don't know. I, I don't think I would have been able to to give you something. Maybe you go out there and get one of the higher upside, but like lower floor pitchers on the market, like Frankie Montas. But like if that had gone terribly for them, then the season could go even worse than than Kyle Gibson um, giving you like, uh, yeah, I know, Sandy, I get it. Um, I but, know, I know. Well, it's, like, it's fair. It's hard to know how much of this, like, what, like if 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 Dewitt said this is how much money he has to spend, and they signed Yamamoto, that would have been the only move they made this entire offseason. Again, I would love Yamamoto, but like, that's not a rotation. That's you, your the rotation in twenty twenty four would be Yamamoto, Michaelis, Matt Thompson, and McGreevy, Brom. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I, like it's, so. That's where I think you bring up a good point, Andrew. It's like. Obviously, Mo's made a lot of bad moves, but when you talk about like his w- unwillingness to spend, you gotta look at ownership. Yeah, no, I, I actually got the water because I hold Mo's water myself. Uh, yeah. I would well, love. Real quick, I think he's play, great. Play devil's advocate though, like people who oversee the Rays though, and like they've turned in a winner, so you can't just use "I can't spend money" as an argument. Very true. But I, but the fact that they won't sign big guys, you can't like you can't blame the Rays GM for not signing a big good name. That's ownership. But you can't blame the Rays GM for not contending. They well, figured they didn't out sign a big name. It just didn't go well for them, unfortunately. Oh nope, nope. We're not touching that. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sadie. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, but... you're good. I just I don't think Mo has made that many terrible moves. I think Mo's good moves get overlooked because people want to complain. Like the JoJo Romero for Edmundo Sosa swap is crazy valuable for the Cardinals right now. Romero ended up as the closer last year, and all they had to give away was Edmundo Sosa. I think Mo's made a lot of really good moves. I'm that's getting clipped by someone, and oh my gosh! Look, I I like Mosellock. I think he's done a lot of good for the organization. I think Mosellock's one of the better GMs in baseball. Uh, He's not a GM anymore; he's a povo. But still, like he's done a lot of good things for the Cardinals. I don't see why people want to get rid of him so quickly. The Cardinals have done a lot of winning under him. They've done very little losing, and they've done so on a budget that doesn't match what other teams have been able to spend. People that blame Mo for not making the big move. Honestly, I think that for the most part, like maybe Mo wants to make big trades and DeWitt says no to that too. Like we have no idea really what's going on in those rooms. And maybe he's not aggressive enough. That's fine. There are moves that I wish that they would make. I wish that their analytics department was better. I think that's something that really is his fault. Um, Which is why know. they want Hein Bloom. He's not an idiot. He's and that's bringing, a great I mean, move. Exactly. It's it's bad that it's taking this long, but they're yes. trying to fix those issues. So, Absolutely. and also Brad, like he's bringing up JoJo. Like he's not saying like, hey, the you should celebrate Mo's best move in the last few years has been yeah. JoJo for. I mean, it's like he's he on the fringes, and most of the moves he makes end up being Fantastic. net positives. Absolutely, in, especially in trades. Um, How about Palacios? They got Palacios for cash from Cleveland. Palacios turned into a fairly productive player down the stretch, and then they flipped Palacios for a reliever that we think is going to be Watch Palacios win the ALCS MVP this year. Look, if Palacios wins ALCS MVP, I'm not blaming Mo for making that move. I think a lot of the moves that Mo makes that people criticize him for afterwards are moves that I probably would have made had they held it in front of me and said, do you want to do this at the time? That's why you'll never be a president of baseball operations. It is. It is. (laughs) Exactly. But like the Adolis Garcia move, we've talked about that ad nauseum. It's like, what was he supposed to do? You know, the yeah. Arozarena move is a little frustrating, but Libertor was like widely seen as one of the best pitching prospects in the league. And I think a lot of people were really excited to bring him in at the time, even though it meant Arozarena was gone. 
that was a really good yeah. game for the Cardinals at the time. Here's a before we can move on pretty soon because just because we've beat this horse dead before. I too, know. But I think this is an f- interesting point from Henderson and Wellman Agency. The front office has slipped in communication, pitching development, player evaluation in the past seven years. Most had a really good overall tenure, but three major stepbacks stepbacks are pretty bad. And I think I'd mostly agree with that. It's like it's of fair. course they've they've made significant steps back, and it's part of the reason he wants to move on. He's brought up like. At some point, being in charge 17 years in an organization like this, it's just it things get stale and you yeah. have to move on. And so I think his his time's running up and he shouldn't be here past 2025. It's it needs to be over, but he's earned enough cachet to set up the team for the future. And I think he's absolutely seems like doing a pretty good job of that because I like having Gersh, Flores, and Hein Bloom as all three options right now. Like a lot of organizations would kill to have two or three of those names waiting in the wings again that we're not i'm not, I'm not gonna go full-on mo defense here because i just don't think it's worth it but sure. um yeah we'll see so last change that we'll talk about drastic change number six so if all this stuff happens especially i think you start to see a youth movement in 2025 and i should have specified on this that they will not be a rebuild or or like a like they're not gonna go houston astros chicago cubs Baltimore Orioles where they blow it all up and <clears throat> bring it all the way down to the studs and get the number one overall pick multiple years and try to rebuild like that. They'll be ready to contend or at least be competitive. That's probably a better word. Like the reds were last year because they'll have a lot of young players already in place. Here's all, here's like a potential lineup. If they got rid of Paul Goldschmidt or Renato next year, and this doesn't even talk about who they could potentially get in return in trades. Brendan Donovan, Jordan Walker, Lars Newbar, Wilson Gutierrez, Nolan Gorman, Ivan Herrera, Thomas J.C., Mason Wynn, Victor Scott. Again, is it a top five lineup, top ten lineup in baseball? I don't know, but like that's year three from Donovan, Walker, uh, Newbar, and Gorman. That's year or year four of them actually. Year three from Walker, Contreras again. That's a second year of Wynn, second year of J.C., second year of Scott. Like you've got guys developing. It's nine really good players. That's nine so, good players. And that's something a lot of teams can't say. Yeah. Nine so players then, with like legitimately high floors and very high ceilings. Yep. And then you obviously Sonny Gray's contract goes up like 20 by 15 million, I think next year, but you clear yeah. off 30, bought 2 million from Nolan Renato, unless they eat yeah. some money, clear off 23 million or something like that from Cole Goldschmidt. You have money to spend on pitching or you could add other bats to that lineup. I, yeah. it's, it's when you look at it, it's not like, I don't know when other teams blow things up, you're like, ew, how on earth is Taylor Motter batting third? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because they are trying to be terrible. I don't think the Cardinals would be trying to be terrible. I think they'd be selling you as a new, young, fun, young core. Um, so what do you guys think about that? I think it'd be really stupid for the Cardinals to rebuild. I'll say that. It just <laughs> well, doesn't do you, do you count this as a rebuild or a retool? No, it's a retool. Reset. And yeah. the reason I think you're right is because I just want to say, like, if the Cardinals did rebuild, and this is to all the people who have said they want the team to rebuild, if they did do that, a full rebuild, by the time they're ready to contend, Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan would be free agents. Like, it would just make no sense. You have to you have to line up your window properly as a baseball organization, and the Cardinals aren't stupid. Like, they know that. And so that's why I think you're right. I think they, they realize that the clock is going to start ticking on some of these young guys sooner rather than later because they've been around for a little while now. Um, and so they're not going to tear it all down, which is, this is great. A youth movement would be really good for the team. Um, obviously I would like to see Goldie and Arnado. I also think there's a chance there's like a, like a half youth movement where you keep Goldie and Arnado, but you see a lot yeah, of guys brought up which for sure. 
which would be wonderful. That's what I really sure. And like in that scenario, you can start packaging, which they kind of should have been doing already. You can start packaging one JC Burleson and Carlson to go get something or like these are just random names, but you can start like sending some of these guys out and getting more return, especially because even if like I think best case, worst case scenario here is they're able to hold on to Goldie and Arenado next year and they're both good. But then they trade Edmund, Matt's Helsley, like all those guys and they get assets back but they keep their best players and then they go into 2025 kind of like they tried to do this year, but then they actually go make better moves. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Andrew, how does that lineup look like? What do you think of a team like this? That's a youth movement oriented. Yeah, it's a solid lineup. I, I was looking at some of Jordan Walker's peripherals this morning. Cause I was writing about him and they're really exciting. And I feel like he yes. him hitting third is, is perfectly fine with me. And he's going to be batting what seventh or eighth this year for this team, which is crazy. Um, that that he's going to be so low in the lineup, but um, crazy. I could, I could see him like if Paul Goldschmidt regresses a little bit. I could yes. see him third at some point later this season. So probably the right move too. Yeah, and it's it's something that that I'm really excited about. I'm all on the Jordan Walker hype train now. Um, I wasn't oh. just doing this off season, but I've just been yeah. looking through it. And it just, Have you looked at his uh, zips projections? They think yeah, they already are, say he's going to be the best hitter on the team next year. And they, his 80th percentile projections are a top 15 hitter in all of baseball for next year, like 2024. Yeah. And I'm excited about Nolan Gorman. And I, I just feel like that lineup is perfectly respectable. You go out and you spend some money on some more more pitching, um, and you're not committed to Goldschmidt Arnado long term, assuming we trade Arnado, which I don't think is going to happen. But like youth would be fun. And I feel like we could, we could be like the Reds and our, our shortstop will throw harder than their shortstop, you know? So, yes. and also probably be a better hitter. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. And not strike out 35% of the time. And like, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Like, I feel like that, that would be perfectly fine for me. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I think it's not a perfect comparison, but if the Cardinals were to do this, you could start to say that they looked a little bit like the Braves did a few years ago where you bring up a really talented position player core at the same time. Now, if they're going to do that, I wish that they would operate the way the Braves operate and pay these guys before they get to free Mm -hmm. agency and lock them in on team-friendly deals, Yeah, which is why I love that Brad brought that up in the chat. That was a great comment. Brad said, will the Cards have the monies to extend these potential free agents? Yes, they need to, and they need to do that, and they need to lock these guys in because the Braves, that core is in place for like a decade. They don't have these arbitration members just make sure people don't aggravate this. Sandy said, like, not they are the Braves. Yes, yes. Hey, the They're doing moves player. like them, but they are not saying they have Acuna and Murphy. No. And Olsen. I wish it's we did. I wish we did. Hey, and last year on baseball today, Trevor Plouffe said he'd rather have our lineup than the Braves lineup. That's all I'm saying. So it wouldn't have been the worst take in the world. And he's a neutral source. He's not connected to either. Wait, but when again, did he say that? <laughs> Trevor Plouffe? Like when last did he year? say that? Like oh, last okay. year. I think he said this season. Yeah. I was like, no, no. Yeah. But but the point is again, like the Cardinals have a super talented and super deep core that's coming up all at the same time. We haven't mm-hmm. even said Dylan Carlson's name yet, and we know how talented he is. Alec we haven't even spoken about Alec Burleson. Like there are so many guys coming up, and there are still more interesting players in the lower minors, like Juan Bin Cho. The Cardinals have so Chase much Davis. position player depth. Oh my gosh, yeah. Chase Davis is gonna be really and then also again, you're looking risky. Ken Rosenhausen is risky to extend young players. Okay. No, we're Wander not. Doing that. Article. That was so I'm, bad. I'm muting. I'm muting uh, Andrew for the time being. He gets on timeout for that one. Um, 
but like you also think like again they're gonna have the number seven pick this year so they could get like chase burns in return or like from that pick or they could get one of the other intriguing bats like honey man or something else and then yeah. again this scenario they you can't i think in, in the cardinals position they can't have a top 10 pick three years in a row based on the new cba but they can have two years in a row so they could have like the number three five seven pick again get another like they would have a lot of interesting talent coming up on top of whoever they get back in trades to like, I guess my final question with this, before we kind of wrap up with some Matt Carpenter talk now that you see, again, this is one scenario and who knows it, you know, with the Cardinals, it could go, it could be a terrible season and go even more poorly than what these changes were. But like, let's say let's, let's just assume for a moment, Goldie and Arnado are gone. How like, is it ble- is this future bleak or is no. it exciting? Like I'm no. kind of it's it's interesting to me how optimistic I end up getting out. It's almost like you have to you have to bear through t- like a really hard season again, which is awful. That sucks. But on the yeah. other side of it, things could be good. Um, but again, this is not the ideal scenario. The better scenario is having Goldschmidt, Arnado, and the young core still coming up, and you're good. Well, but and, and, and that's because free next year and oh, Rookie Suzuki. He's not coming <laughs> to St. Louis, but. The important thing here is the Cardinals had a top like three farm system a couple of years ago because you graduated Jordan Walker, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Lars Newbar, and Dylan Carlson all in a really short span and Yvonne Herrera. Like those are yep. six guys that were all top hundred prospects at some point. Donovan, not really, but like everyone would agree that a year into his tenure, he oh, was yeah. more valuable. If than you re rank that, he's a top 100%. 20 prospect or something. Absolutely. And so you graduate all those guys at once. And normally when teams do that, their farm systems get really, really bad. Well, guess what? The Cardinals have five top 100 prospects again. Six, according to some lists, who have Chase Davis ranked really highly. Like, this is really impressive. You've, you've strung together two high-quality farm eras, and they're both really young. And teams just don't do that two years apart the way the Cardinals just did. Kudos to Randy Flores. Kudos to the player development, which, yes, was not great between 2016 and 2020, but has been really, really good since then. Yeah, I think the one flaw you can maybe say about the farm system right now, and it depends who you ask, is like even if they have top, if they have five or six top 100 prospects, they're not like elite prospects. So like the highest ranked one is in the 40s, and it's a lot of 80s guys. And like that's very valuable. You want, I mean, bringing up five or six above average major leaguers would be awesome. Um, but it's not like they're the Orioles with a bunch of top end talent. And then also a lot of people critique the, um, depth of the organization where you get past the top 100 guys and it's kind of a crapshoot from there now mid-season end of this season maybe max rock rockage and um one been show like all these different guys maybe they raise up and people don't feel that way anymore but right now a lot of people are kind of like yeah outside of there like the six that you can rattle off really quick that it's like a significant drop in a lot sure. of those guys but it, but regardless, like you said, they just promoted a bunch of stuff. Like the Braves, teams like that that do that, they're usually at the bottom of the Their rankings farms afterwards. Stink. Yeah. yeah. So, any thoughts on that, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's super cool to see how how many prospects we have that are really exciting. Like Victor Scott, someone that I'm super excited about, and um, I'm all for the youth movement. Um, I feel like that would be super exciting to um, to get a team that's like really young and cheap, like the Braves, not the Braves. Um, but similar to the Braves, um, I have to specify that. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Like the to see. Nationals. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But um, yeah, hey, CJ Abrams is kind of exciting. So 
Yeah. He's Honestly, better than I team, thought he was. The team is kind of a youth movement right now, anyways. And even if they don't get yeah. veterans, it's kind of a youth movement next year from the from the position player bunch. So and again, next year I doubt they're re-signing Lynn and Gibson. The, they probably want those young arms to come up so they don't have to pay a guy twelve million dollars to fill innings. They want Grisefo to take it. So I'm really excited about the young core. And again, I feel much better about 2025 to 2026 than I do 2024 for the Cardinals, but we'll see. So again, it's been the big news of this past week. So that's our six talking about six potential changes that can happen if things go off the rails next year. Again, varying levels of opinion between the three of us, how likely that is. But I think we all are hoping for the season to be a lot better this year. Um, But there was some news over the weekend that was very polarizing. (laughs) to say the least amongst Cardinals nation. We're back. <laughs> Matt Carpenter is back. Hashtag the return. Yeah. I'm, I'll go last. What are you guys thoughts on it? It's fine. I think like it's a lot. It's people are making. Uh, no <laughs> way. No, no, no. That was just the Carpenter stuff. No, <laughs> people are making a really good time. Trevor Rosenthal and Shelby. Oh, no, Shelby Miller's gone. Yeah. It's a <laughs> like, it's fine. Oh, okay. Your mic is good now. Oh, is it working better now? Yeah. Sorry. People are making a really big deal about something that's just not that big a deal with Matt Carpenter. It's like people are acting as if he's suddenly plan A at third base. Matt Carpenter is probably even Start, if he's starting team, third baseman. If he's on the team the entire season, I bet he draws like three starts at third base. Over under 150 plate appearances for him this under. year. No, two, yeah. Under. I don't think under. I'm smashing the under. I would be shocked. I think Matt Carpenter, if he's on the team all season, gets into like 50 games. And most of those come as like pinch hitter or like weird defensive replacement thing. Yep. He'll probably draw like three starts at first, three yep. starts at third, five or six starts at DH. Maybe he'll play in the corner outfield at some point. Oh, he's yeah. fine insurance. He's a good clubhouse presence. And he's won before. I-, I see no issue with it. Again, your 26 man rarely plays that much anyway. Remember mm-hmm. how long Taylor Motter was on the team on the bench in the first half last year? Yeah, people don't think about that. Like April, he didn't play like at all. Yeah. Trace Barrera, like they, they carried a third. Yeah, they never played him. And never used him. So they have space and it's not a huge deal. And it's like, honestly, I know that people are like, oh, I would rather have Burleson or I would rather have Sajazi get the last spot. In a perfect world, yes, but those guys aren't going to play. Yeah, like exactly. Sajazi rides the bench, that's a mistake. He should be at AAA getting regular plate appearances yep. so that he's actually ready for something. You don't want him to just get stale on the bench. Yep. I mean, the guy who was going to fill that role is Jose for me, which honestly, I don't really care. Like Exactly. And he probably wouldn't play either because well, Edmonds the backup shortstop and they have other people who play second base. Like for me, was he going to play either? If the Cardinals had nine players that were all locked into one position, it'd be a little different, but they don't. The Cardinals have guys with tons of versatility because they value that as an organization. There's almost nobody on the roster besides Arenado and Goldschmidt that you can point to and say they can't play another position. I mean, even even guys like Alec Burleson can play first base. The Cardinals have a bunch of guys that can play the middle infield. And not only that, they can play the middle infield at a pretty high level. Center field is really shallow, but corner outfielders – left infielders, middle infielders, like these guys can play all around. And so you don't need a guy on the bench with a ton of versatility. You just need someone who can be in the clubhouse. Who's not like ruining a young player's development and who's okay sitting on the bench a lot. Yeah, exactly. Cause people say like, Oh, have Victor Scott for defense and speed. It's like, that is a total waste to have him sitting on the bench and you're not going to have Tommy Edmonds on the bench. I mean, like, you're just not like, it doesn't make sense. And so, 
Um, again, if again, if I mean, if people are right, if I'm if we're wrong and Carp plays a lot, they deserve a ton of criticism unless he's somehow really good. Absolutely. But, but the way they're talking about it, they consistently are saying he's a bench bat. And even Mozellock today was on Tom Ackerman and he said, we'll see how spring training goes. He wasn't like Carpenter's on the opening day roster. He's like, let's see if he's good enough to make the roster or at least good enough to be the guy who doesn't play. Yeah. And that's all they're asking for from him. So I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill. Gosh, whatever. I mean, and also think about the guys the Cardinals have signed in previous springs, right? Taylor Motter, Corey Dickerson. Brad Miller actually was pretty good in St. Louis. He was really good. But when Brad Miller came in, everyone was like, oh, who's this guy? Like, what are we doing? And it's the same thing, right? Like, they're signing a guy who's going to ride the bench because someone has to be the 26th guy. And did you want it to be like Buddy Kennedy? If you did, that's fine. If you're a Buddy Kennedy stand, that's okay. You can be upset about this. (laughs) But (laughs) it's just not that big a deal. Lucas asked. All I'm saying okay. is there was this one hitter available that could have signed this offer. Nope, stop. Okay. Them to nope, have an nope. pitcher in the bullpen. Oh, so, Lucas nope. asked, uh, I know he has to be a player to get the Braves money, but why not hire him as a coach? Otherwise, you just want leadership. That's fair, and I think if he gets hurt or is bad, he will probably be DFA'd and retire and might come on as a coach. But Katie Wu has said this, and a couple other people have said it, like, they're not like there's a difference between a player who's a player in leading and a difference between Absolutely. a coach who's a leader, even if they're a former player. And it's important to remember Paul Goldschmidt and Ole Arnado both asked for Matt Carpenter to be there. They both wanted him. So it's not yeah. like the Cardinals are like, oh, we should jump Matt Carpenter on here. Oh, this is yeah. our bright idea. Like, again, <laughs> it was partially their idea, too. But like Goldschmidt and Arnado, like, hey, things went poorly and all the leadership fell on our shoulders. I think that's a bigger issue that should be talked about is I agree. how why can't other players on this team fill that leadership void? That's fair criticism, totally. But, like, again, if Matt Carpenter plays a ton and is bad and they keep putting him in the lineup, which I don't see Ollie doing, okay, you were right, and this is crazy. What are they doing? But assuming he gets up at up like a couple at bats a week when in, they're in a getaway game or whatever i just don't see it as an issue yeah i just i don't think it's that big a deal frankly and i i think honestly like people who are mad about it just want something to be upset about right now um and this is their new thing to latch onto. it kind of yeah. stinks because i don't think it's that big a deal and they're like We've said this a number of times. There are genuine reasons to be upset with the Cardinals. Yeah, totally. Genuine, like, like you can be really upset that it took them this this freaking long to figure out that analytics matter in pitching development. Yep. You can be totally. really mad. About that. You can be really mad with the way that they have handled their forty man roster over the last few years. Like yep. some of the guys that have stayed on it for no reason. Um, had it, for example, had Bedell been selected in the rule five draft, which was a distinct possibility, it would have been a huge mistake not protecting him. So the Cardinals have made mistakes in the past and you can criticize them for it. But I think this is a stupid thing to criticize them for. And, you know, let's, let's go waste our breath criticizing them for things that actually matter. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the Carpenter signing, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, the, the way this team is going to go is they, they had to go out there and get a 26 man, whether that's internally like Jose for or if it was like signing Taylor Motter last year. But like when given the option between a bunch of guys on minor league deals and Matt Carpenter, who's been like with the franchise before from both the business perspective and like a baseball perspective, it doesn't make any sense to go after anybody else. Cause like 
they're going to, they're probably going to make that back um, in Jersey sales within a, a, an hour. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you're like, right. <laughs> like they're paying him $700,000. Like that's not that many jerseys. Um, and for the, for a guy who's been surrounded by the team for a long time, like that's, that's perfect. But like, I'm, I'm not excited about this move. It's not something that gets me going, but it's also not something to be upset about. Like you just signed a guy who's never going to play. I love yeah. that. Another great comment, Henderson and Wellman agency. There are a lot of parallels between Carp and Donovan's careers. Donovan's supposed to be a growing leader. Hope they connect well. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's a great observation with that. Um, a couple other thoughts with that. So like we talked about this already, but like people are like, okay, who's the backup infielder? The Cardinals have the roster constructed in a very interesting way where they want Mason Wynn to play almost every day. He's young. There's not a reason for him to sit out 30 games a year unless he's bad. And yeah. their offense is good enough they can carry a below average bat at shortstop. He's going to play almost every day. And the days he doesn't play, Tommy Emmons is going to play shortstop. And Dylan Carlson or Large Newbar will play center field. And or Victor Scott. Be fine. Or Victor Scott. Yeah, by that point. like, And then like, when does Edmund get rest? Well, when it keeps starting, Carlson comes in. Like They have like 12 guys who can fill all nine spots for an entire season pretty much. Yeah. Because like Goldschmidt, Arnato, Contreras need to sit a decent amount, but you've got Herrera and then you've got the DH spot and you've got guys you can fill in those positions. You don't need like four backup guys you can play all the time or because people have been mad the last few years saying like why isn't goldschmidt playing every day why isn't arnado playing every day why isn't so it's like okay they're gonna this looks like they're gonna be playing large new bar every day when he's healthy and jordan walker every single day when he's healthy and it's like great they have their best lineup out there almost every day and when the few times a week where they sit or like a few times every other week they sit okay you've got carlson burleson and herrera who come in great yeah, I don't that's see the a really effective lineup. It's a problem if Carpenter plays all the time, and I don't see that happening. No, no, and and it's like honestly, I think I might be more upset actually had the Cardinals gone out and like paid a real backup. Uh, it's a waste of resources, and it's somebody who would actually have the expectation of playing a lot. That would yeah. be, in in my opinion, much worse because then like Matt Carpenter being on the bench doesn't hurt the team. If you go out and you get someone, uh, I don't know, like. I, I really like the idea of Kevin Kiermaier defensively, but if they'd gone out and gotten him and paid him big money, all of a sudden, like now you're carrying a below average bat way more often. One more thing about why didn't they sign Carpenter uh, as a coach or whatever. I think it matters that Carpenter still wants to be a player. Obviously he thinks he's still got something left in the tank and players do this a lot. Players don't want to retire. Like Matt Carpenter loves baseball. He doesn't want to retire. He wants to continue to play. And I think it's nice that the Cardinals will give him another shot to play. Also, Carpenter's two years removed from a really, really great stretch with Texas's AAA team and then with the Yankees. So obviously he thinks there's still something of that left. Some of that magic is left. Maybe it's not. And maybe it's yeah. terrible and Carpenter's off the team in June. But there's a chance that he's a really valuable bench bat. He's got yeah. power. He's still left-handed. Um, and it's going to be really fun to see him at Bush Stadium. Yeah. I think if you're someone who's getting worked up over the Cardinals enjoying sentimentality, that's a waste of your time. Because sentimentality is fun and every franchise does it. Every right. franchise likes it. And also, like people point to like they rode with Wayno, they rode with Modder. Can can we already talked Modder thing? But like Wayno, they had real conversations about removing him from the rotation when they were 20 games out of it. Like they were about to pull the plug with how bad it was. And I guarantee you, if they were in contention, they weren't gonna let him go for 200. They were gonna pull him and it was gonna be like, I'm sorry, but we're trying to win. Yeah. I, I think it's even less so with Carp or even more so with Carp. Like he might not make the opening day roster if it's just clear in spring training. He's just bad. Yeah. Like 
So I just, again, downside, I'd see like very little downside unless they do something crazy, like playing him every day when he's bad. Like, sure. If that happens, I be guarantee upset. the new news podcast will not be like, well, yeah, they should be trotting out one fifty hitting <laughs> Matt Carpenter every day because it's nostalgic. Yeah. I mean, they were sitting Albert Pujols against righties, like back. Yeah, the- they stopped playing him. Like he was not good in the first half, and he wasn't getting playing time. And, and he was about to retire, and then he gave it one more shot. He said, and then he, he went. God, it was so went, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, so they wow. literally sat Albert Pujols. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Oh well. I agree more. And he, yeah, it's been said in here. He's been working with Matt Holiday this offseason. So who knows? Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. Whatever. They wasted seven hundred thousand dollars. And if, I hope Carpenter's really good. I really I do. do. I hope Carpenter so hits like 15 homers and 200 at-bats this year. That'd be really fun. And we would enjoy that. And I would wear my Carpenter jersey to a game, and I would be really happy about it. Mine doesn't fit me anymore. It's from like middle school, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, back in the 2013 Matt Carpenter days. Elite. I can still wear shirts from middle school. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm like the same height that I was. Brad, Brad earlier was like, are you like six? How tall are you? No, I'm like six, one and a half or six. Brad, two it's just because day. Andrew, well, I'm sure. And Andrew's not tall. So that's why Sandy looked like a giant. <laughs> so. I was so tall in middle school and I haven't grown really since then. So it's tough. Yeah. Oh man, what a time. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything we want to cover from this episode. Again, if breaking news happens, all that will be on it. Um, on Wednesday, we're talking with um, Robbie, who's a big uh, MLB YouTuber. You might have seen his YouTube channel before. Where he kind of breaks down big offseason news, things that are going on. But he's also a big Red Sox guy. And so we're going to have him come on and talk about boston talking about the heim bloom days and so like what are his thoughts on bloom what he could bring to the cardinals and he's also going to talk about these relievers and different moves that the cardinals have gotten from the red sox what does he think about fernandez and um why am i blanking his name right now gosh the other nick robert robertson Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also just the Red Sox situation, Tyler O'Neill. It'll be, I think, a really fun and different conversation than usual, but it should give us some insight on Heim Bloom, who's a big name that we're talking about right now in the Cardinals Nation. So, any other things you guys want to talk or address before we hop off? I think we're good. Okay. Well, as always, like and subscribe. If you could share this too, that's always super helpful. But subscriptions are super helpful. It helps people know the podcast is out there, and we just want to continue to bring great Cardinals content all year long. Again, we've got big plans for 2024 and we're really excited about what's going on. So thanks for you, all of you who were watching Cardinal baseball and the new news podcast during NFL playoff games and hanging out with us. And we're really excited. Spring training is right around the corner and should be a lot of fun stuff coming. So as always, hop in the chat um, when we're live on Wednesday and we'd love to see you guys next time. So see ya.